I'm back again. I'm back again. Yes, I'm back. Um, I think it's been a week since I last recorded an episode of this utter shite. Um, was it a week ago? It was a week ago because it was Tuesday last week, wasn't it? Because um, it was the day after I finished uh, my stint on jury duty, um, which I won't get into again because you heard all that and I don't want to relive the experience because it was terrible um, yeah god it's been a quick week um, there is a 997 Carrera Cabriolet with the roof up um, you asshole here's the windows down but the roof up and uh, yes I am doing another outdoors podcast um, because it's actually quite a pleasant afternoon um, I, I am working this week I wasn't working last week that's why I did it but I wasn't work today because it's such a pleasant afternoon I decided to get on my bicycle and wander into our into our glorious city centre again. Um, but yeah, it is a pleasant afternoon, and he has his fucking roof up. And I've said this many times before, um, unless it's pissing rain, why don't you have the roof down? Because why have a convertible car in this country if you don't use uh, the removal of the roof uh, option, which is an option on a convertible car? What am I trying to say? Um, if you don't use it, as much as you can why did you buy a convertible in the first place um, and today will be a perfect opportunity um, to put the roof down um, but yeah anyway another outdoors podcast because um, well, there's a there's a Taycan in a rather fetching colour um, maroon it's pretty new as well it's a 231 I haven't actually seen any 232 cars 232 cars would have been out now about a month wouldn't they because July is the switch over point um, also there is a would it be previous generation or would it be previous to the previous generation? Um, a Focus ST in that lovely kind of funky yellow colour. And um, it's on Irish plates, but it's a left-hand drive Focus ST. I'll take a picture of it um, to add to the collection. Uh, there we go. Um, there's also a cat underneath it, um, chilling out. Um, yeah, no, because last week's Outdoorsy podcast um, wasn't incredibly terrible um, less terrible than the normal terrible standards of this podcast um, I mostly mean not terrible it's like I thought the background noise um, might might really drown things out but it wasn't too bad all things considered um, and previous previous attempts to do outdoor podcasts um, were pretty poor so it was better compared to those at least um, fucking rambling like a madman already um, haven't said anything of note um, yeah, so what, what's what been going on? Um, yeah, so, so hopefully again I'll see some interesting cars. We, we saw we saw we saw a Focus ST, um, a left-hand drive one, which you know makes it even more interesting, I guess. Um, I didn't see anything spectacular on the way in. Well, that's a lie actually, um, but I didn't take a photo of it, so you're going to think I'm lying, and maybe I am, but I'm not. I promise you. Um, I saw a a. I'm not good with the, the model uh, designations of generations of Toyota Celica, but I saw a red uh, Toyota Celica, early 90s, the pop-up headlight one, um, but a, a convertible, um, quite near where I live. Um, I should have I should have taken a photo of it. Um, I was cycling by, and I went by, I was like, oh, will I turn around and take a photo? And by the time I'd made the decision um, that I should have, um, I was already too far down the road to turn back. Um, as I mentioned last week as well, I think, I'm a very indecisive man. Um, but yeah, I didn't see anything else on the way in. But hopefully we see some stuff while we're walking around. Um, 
always adds a bit of an element as I said previously um, it's like it, becomes a, it becomes a multimedia experience uh, if I see interesting, interesting stuff while I'm walking around um, hopefully I don't make the mistake like I did last week though of trying to record the delightful engine notes of a uh, eagle, an eagle E-type and for somehow inadvertently stop the, stop the recording um, where was I? Yeah, so I didn't see anything crazy on the way in, but I haven't actually seen much, um, although I did have a very um, interesting car-related weekend, which I'll get on to later. But I haven't seen much stuff um, at home, uh, really, of note since I last recorded a podcast. And the only thing I can really think of, and it's, it's actually the last post, um, I think it was last post on my, um, on my Instagram page, carnosaur, C-A-R underscore N-O-S-A-U-R. Um, if you're listening to this podcast you already follow me but you know spread the word because um, my, follow, my follow numbers aren't massive because um, this is a second account that I have because my original account which I put a lot of time and effort into um, got hacked about six months ago maybe a little bit more I can't quite remember I think it was longer than that because I think I took a break for a while from Instagram after that happens like fuck it I'm done I'm done with social media and then I got bored one day and I set up my new one which is this one which has probably actually been about a year now because I think it was last summer getting off topic again what was I going to say yeah um, spread the word um, but yeah my last um, the last post I put up on my Instagram account was the probably the only real interesting car I saw over the last week in Ireland that is um, and it was W221 is that the generation designation of that um, Mercedes class I think so. Um, Celtic Tiger Generation S Class. Um, but it was a delightful uh, S600, all 12 cylinders of such, um, which was nice to see. Uh, an Irish registered one. And it was down on, would it, would it be considered Pier Street, that side? It was near enough to Pier Street. Um, railway station, Dart station. Do normal trains go through there? I'm sure they do. Um, yeah, that was the only thing I really saw of note. Um, yeah, so I'll get on, I'll get on to my my other um, motoring antics that I got up to since I last spoke to you. Further down the line in the podcast, but first I'll just go through some some motoring news um, that's happened. Not a whole lot again. It's been relatively quiet. Um, probably one of the coolest things that's been launched um, since I last spoke was uh, the the this the Nichols N1A, um, which is a car has been designed and developed by legendary um, former F1 engineer and designer uh, Steve Nichols, and um, probably most famous for being the designer. Although this is it's a bone of contention as to who who did what, where, and when. And um, with the uh, McLaren MP4 eight six MP4 four. The one, the 1988 car, the one that won 15 of 16 races that season. Uh, the McLaren, the McLaren, the the, the Prost Senna um, dominant season, um, where they got where it all got very heated, and then uh, afterwards Prost pissed off to Ferrari. That one, MP, I think it's the MP44 because the MP48 is the 93 car, so that would be five. MP4, yeah, we MP44, wouldn't it be? I think. Anyway, that one. Um, so yeah, Steve Nichols. He's now um, he's built a road car, and the reason it's called the N1A is it's um, it's heavily based on the McLaren M1A, um, a can the 
a legendary Can-Am car that McLaren built back in the 1960s. Um, it, it's 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 a very 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 close homage to that original car. Um, slightly longer, slightly slightly wider, um, with bigger wheels, um, and you know s- some slightly modern touches. But it's it's a very close uh, homage to the original car. Um, cool thing though. Um, weighs less than a ton. Think of his. Think weighs less than nine hundred kilos. Actually, um, powered by an LS three, I think, um, some sort of Chevy LS motor, motor uh, engine, um, putting out some like seven hundred horsepower. Nicely uh, naturally aspirated, of course. Um, manual gearbox, um, a Graziano gearbox. I think it's the same gearbox that's in uh, the Audi, the first generation Audi R eight manual. Um, yeah, super cool thing. Um, I think the f- you see the, the the first fifteen he's going to build will all be um, will all have a livery on them to commemorate one of the fifteen race wins at that MP44. We're selling on MP44, I think. Um, one of the victories of that from that 1988 season. Um, the so yeah, one of the first. If, you, if you're lucky enough to have one of the first fifteen, it'll be. An homage one, and apparently said they'll be slightly better spec um, than the ones that follow on. It won't be a massive um, build numbers. I think he said he's going to build about a hundred of them in total if the demand is there. Um, not going to be crazily expensive when it comes to these kind of resto mod. We don't even quite call it a resto mod because it's a ground up car, but it's an, uh, a classic homage, low end or low volume, high end track oriented you know what I'm trying to say it, compared to some some of these crazy special edition stuff that's come out of late it's not going to be ridiculously expensive I think he wants to aim to have them at about £200,000 um, you know so something, anything, anything like that that's less than a million quid um, is pretty pretty acceptable not something I will ever be able to afford but um, if you can and you want one get one and I'll be jealous um, what else was there um Oh yeah, the the Lamborghini Revolto, if that's how it's pronounced, the uh, the newest V12 flagship um, Lamborghini, the car that's replacing the Aventador. Um, Lamborghini have said they um, they are completely sold out for the next two years, um, which is is it surprising? I don't know, maybe not. It's like I don't know. Obviously, it was released a few months ago. You know, interesting. Uh, still a normally aspirated um, V12, which is nice to see. Although it does have some hybrid assistance, but all in, it's going to you know have a thousand horsepower. Um, you know, it's a, it's a mid-engined uh, Lamborghini V12 uh, supercar. Of course, it's interesting, but like it didn't, you know, it didn't it didn't grab attention like like a new Lamborghini normally would. Um, but then, look, you know, I don't know how many they make a year. What two thousand maybe. I don't know, something like that, give or take. Um, but yeah, they've sold them out for for the next two years, so demand is still there for big Lamborghinis. I assume the uh, those who like to look flashy, driving around in first gear in cities, there's plenty of them out there. Um, yeah, and they've they've all put their names down already, um, and hence why there's there's such a high demand for the Lamborghini Revolto. Sorry, I'm going to burp now. Sorry, apologies. Um, so what else happened? Uh, of Zenovo, um, or Zenvo, Zenovo, Zenovo, 
how it's pronounced. That crazy Danish supercar maker um, who most recently had that car. I think it was, was it called the GTO? I can't, I'm not good. I've really should research this stuff better. It had the cra- the, that crazy rear wing that moved um, as you cornered. Um, anyway, their, their next supercar is going to be called the Aurora. And again, something that you know you, you wouldn't have expected uh, in these modern times, but they have announced that their uh, that new car, the Aurora, will be powered by a quad turbo uh, V12, um, which will be nice and interesting to see. Um, best of luck to them on th- with that one. Um, hopefully, the car doesn't look as uh, ridiculous as previous um, iterations have. That wing, while well, they claim the movement of it is to aid aero. Sounds like it seems like a bit of a gimmick to me, to be honest. Um, but you know, more power to them. Anyone who makes crazy supercars with combustion engines in this, in this, in these trying times for the car, um, more power to them. Uh, Joe McCarry uh, has got some new stock in. Joe McCarry, uh, infamous high-end London car dealer, um, lovely chap. Um, he, he's he's quite happy with you wandering in and browsing the utter exotica he has in his showroom if you're in the area and um, it's not quite in central london you'd have to make you know you'd have to go out of your way to get there and um, i'm going over to london in a couple of weeks myself and um, i might see if, if i have the time i might see if i can wander out um but he's he, he now has in stock a, uh, a mercedes uh, clk lm um the uh, the the le mans version of the mercedes clk um, hypercar um, that dominated the uh, the GT World Championship back in the uh, the late nineties, and, um, and they, they they tinkered it to um, here's a um, a Jag XKR. Um, is it an R? It is an R. Take a picture of that. Um, yes, they after they dominated the uh, the GT Championship, um, they they modified it slightly to compete in Le Mans. So it's not to be uh, confused with then the Mercedes CLR, which is R CLR, which came afterwards, um, which they went because they didn't win with the CLK LM, um, so they went back to try again with um, the CLR, which was a it, it looked similar to the CLK, um, but it was much kind of much more lower and swoopier, less less drag essentially, um, but um, because of that, um, infamously, it became quite airborne. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the videos um, but anyway so what, what he has though with John McCarry is a CLK LM um, which means um, Le Mans um, but it is a it's a it's a road registered um, CLK LM which is very cool um, POA of course um, if you have to ask you can't afford um, but what a cool thing um, go to John McCarry's website I'm sure you'll see it there um, unless someone's already bought it but as far as I'm aware, it was only put up for sale yesterday or possibly the day before. So hopefully it's still up there. Um, what else about um, motoring news? Um, oh, the, the Nissan Z, Nissan Z, um, the newest Z car from 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 Nissan. Um, a few journals have got their hands on it recently. Um, Johnny Smith put up a video he of the late break show. Um, he was driving it around the Californian hills. Um, the reason being up in the Californian hills is because, unfortunately, it's not coming to Europe. Um, even for us right-hand drive uh, markets, despite the fact that they will be building right-hand drive versions of it for 
uh, Japan and Australia slash New Zealand. Um, I assume it's because it mustn't meet um, some sort of EU emission laws because um, it's, it's a turbocharged V6 um, this time around. Obviously, previous Z cars being normally aspirated. Um, but it's, you know, all the recipe is there. It looks good um, to, my, to my eyes anyway. I think some people are, aren't quite sure about it. It has a bit of a, bit of a, a gaping mouth in the front of it. Um, but I think it looks cool. It's, it's kind of... You can still distinctly see it's, it's because it, is, it shares the same chassis of the 350Z um, from Jesus, which must be nearly 20 years ago at this point. Um, so it has the same kind of dimensions as the 350Z slash 370Z. Um, but the styling itself is certainly more leaning towards uh, Datsun Z cars of old, the 240Z, 270Z, etc. Um, I think it's a good-looking car. Um, but the thing is, I like it. Look, it's a, it's a twin-turbo, front-engine twin-turbo V6 uh, sports car with a manual gearbox, um, optional manual. You can, offset, you can have it with a seven-speed dual-clutcher as well. Um Real drive that has traction control that is just on and off, um, and like all good Japanese sports cars, um, it's pretty good out of the box. But there's scope um, for one to to modify it as well, which you know, kind of part of the game, isn't it? When it, when it comes to Japanese sports cars, but um, yeah, it seems to be a cool thing. Um, anyone who's driven it says it's it's fun. Um, you know, it's not the it's not the be all and end all of like dynamics. You know. It's not, a, it's not a KN um, or something like that, but it's fun. It has a lot of fun factor. Um, yeah, so it's a shame it's not coming to this to this part of the world. Um, you know, um, Toyota managed to get at least a few GR86s over here. It's not quite in the same level. Um, but, you know, if they if Toyota could do it, surely Nissan could. Well. I'm, sure they would, I'm sure they could manage to sell a few of them. Um... I guess it's maybe as well, like, the fact... When's the last time you saw a 370Z, um, or even a 350? There was a few 350Zs knocking around. Um, but, geez, when's the last time you saw a 370? I don't think they sold very well um, in the UK and Ireland. Um, so maybe that's part of the, the reason why it's not coming here either. Um, but, yeah, a shame. A cool car, but one we'll probably never really see. Although... Um, considering this this country does have a, a penchant for a for a grey import from Japan, maybe someone will bring one in. Um, here's an L three two L three two two Range Rover, um, and a, and a quite a nice spec. It's green. Yeah, I'll take a photo of it. Um, is the the facelift one with the chintzy grill? But it has the chintzy grill is kind of covered up with um, a kind of a pseudo bull bar setup, a factory bull bar setup. Um, I'm not big into bull bars for all the obvious reasons but that doesn't look terrible um, I like a Range Rover it's a it's a oh it's a supercharged supercharged V8 lovely um, yeah oh here's some two here's two um, two soft top sports cars of very differing um, oh this well one's a Boxster for ours uh, left hand drive Boxster on German plates manual Boxster uh, second generation, whatever that is, nine, eight, whatever the hell, um, and then parked in, the, in front of us um, is a uh, Jag XJS convertible, and um, I'll do a see if I can get a, a snap of that. Apologies now, I'm a man; I can't multitask very well. 
have to go wide angles to get the two of them in. There we go. Um, what was I talking about before that? Um, yeah, the, the Z car. Um, it's a shame we don't get it. Where am I at? 20 minutes. 20 minutes in, I've, I've, I've covered a lot of shit already. Um, maybe this one will come in well under the air, which would be nice for a change. I'm still recording, haven't I? I haven't knocked it off again. I am. Good. Um, yeah, that's really the, the that's really all I have to say about motoring news. Um, I'll briefly talk about the Formula 1. Um, I did post a podcast yesterday, um, which I recorded on Sunday after after the the weekend's Formula One action, um, but it was more a a, a mid-season report because they're gone on their summer break now uh, for a month. Um, so I thought it was time to do a mid a mid-season report because I did I did do a a, a pre-season. Um, okay, is that a Civic Type or is it just a, a regular Civic with um, a big wing stuck to it? It's just a regular Civic with a big wing stuck to it. Um, yeah, so I, I did a pre-season. Um, pre-season predictions right up um, after after uh, pre-season testing of where I felt people would be and I thought it would be good to re- uh, return to that and see how right or wrong I am at this midpoint in the year um, kind of a 50-50 split some of the things I was quite accurate with some not so much um, yeah, so I'm not going to I'm not going to run through all that again because if, if, you, if you really give a shit just go up and uh, listen to the one I put up um, yesterday um, it'll be it'll be beside or underneath or near this after I publish it, if that makes any sense. Um, but I will then briefly talk about the actual Grand Prix itself, um, which I did in the previous podcast. But if you don't want to listen to that, stop rambling, John. Just just talk. Um, yeah. So it was. It, it, I, I I forgot going into it. It's actually it was a sprint weekend, um, which was which was somewhat annoying, not because of the sprint format, but more so I I had planned a little trip. To the UK, which I'll speak about in in a short moment. Um, um, Friday, Friday into Saturday, so I, I was going to be home for the main event for the Grand Prix. But it being a sprint event, I didn't. I, I kind of forgot there will be action on Friday and Saturday. Um, but I did. I did actually manage. Um, I got. I managed to watch normal qualifying um, before I caught my flight. Um, so I did get to see that. And sorry, I'm burping again. I need to stop recording these after I eat. Um, I'm actually wandering down the lane now, which normally, traditionally, was the lane where I'd walk down the laneway of overpriced classic cars. But the said um, the said dealership who used to operate out of here have now moved um, to a new location. Infam- infamously moved to a new location, which is now, as they refer to it, the, the hub for car culture. In Ireland, um, you all know who I'm talking about. And um, they used to be based here on Haddington Road, um, but they're gone now. So there's never any cars down here anymore, which is which is which is annoying because you used to often see some interesting things. Um, there's still a, still a few remnants of oil stains from stuff that they used to have, but unfortunately, no actual cars. Um, yeah, so the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa Francorchamps, um, arguably the best track on the calendar. Um, a race I haven't attended, but I really must. Um, even though you're pretty much guaranteed for it to be raining at some point, and actually clearing out the old premises of said car dealer here. Um, yeah, nothing in it anymore. Yeah, no, no, just been steam cleaned. Stuff like that. The sign has gone off the door. Um, sorry, off topic. Um, 
yeah, you're you're pretty much guaranteed for some sort of rain. It has a little bit. Of, it's up in the uh, it's up in the mountains um, in Belgium, and uh, it has a bit of a microclimate, so you're kind of guaranteed. It could, the sun could be splitting the sky, and then a few minutes later, it could be pissing rain, um, which was kind of how it transpired for the sprint race itself on Saturday. Um, it was delayed by well over an hour because of torrential rain and flooding on the track, and obviously they were they were being a bit. Um, being quite cautious this this be uh, at this uh, Belgian Grand Prix due to recent events. Um, Van Toff, um, I can't hope I'm getting his name right. I keep forgetting. His, I really should get his name nailed down. It's terrible. Um, yeah, obviously the tragic loss of that, that young Dutchman in, at Spa just a few weeks ago in the wet, um, and then obviously we had this the the, the death of. Um, of uh, Antoine Hubert a few few years ago as well in F2, so they were going to be quite cautious with with wet weather at Spa this year, um, because um, for obvious reasons they don't want we, nobody wants any more injuries or fatalities um, in motorsport. Um, you know, some people say it's an inevitability, but um, it's not something any of us ever want. Um, we won't get into that debate. But um, yeah, so they were quite cautious. So this, the sprint race was delayed by a bit. Um, it started under the safety car. Then um, everyone was on extreme wets. Um, I think they did four laps under the safety car, um, which was going to be only a fifteen-lap race as it was. Um, so it was quite obvious um, that when the safety car was going to come in, that it was it was time enough to switch to intermediates. So um, all the teams had to decide. Do you bring in both cars and double stack? Do you bring in one car and then bring in the next car to the next lap? Because um, you can't pit under the safety car. You have to wait until the safety car pulls in. Um, so all the teams, I'm pretty sure, uh, went with pit one and then pit the next one afterwards. Um, they didn't bring in Max Verstappen. The reason being um, that because they won the, won the Constructors' Championship last year, they are the first pit garage and therefore, um, them being the first pit carriage means that um, if they pulled in to do a two or sub two second pit stop, they'd pull in, but then there probably would have been a field of cars coming in behind them, and they would have had to wait it in the pit box to get back out again. So they probably would have lost a shitload of time. Um, so, um, what happened because of that then? Um, because they didn't pit. Um, they essentially handed the lead to Oscar Piastri in the McLaren. Oscar had a, um, up until the main race, um, had a pretty spectacular weekend. He he, he very much um, outperformed his more esteem, more ex, more experienced and highly esteemed teammate Landon Norris. Um, he outqualified him in regular qualifying. He outqualified him in sprint qualifying, and he finished uh, second in this sprint race. Um, and he was leading it um, because he did pit straight after the safety car, um, which allowed him then to take the lead um, when Max Verstappen pitted the following lap. Um, and he, he led for, for, for a couple of, couple of laps, um, but Max then did eventually catch him, unsurprisingly. The speed that Max Verstappen has in that Red Bull, he, and he passed him. But Oscar held on um, to take second in the sprint race, which is a great achievement for him, his first podium. Um, and... Due to the, the chaos of, of that sprint race, um, Pierre Gasly um, managed to get third, which was good for him because when he was he was sent one of um, Antoine Hubert's best friends, um, 
and he, you know, he, he makes a, a point of, of visiting the spot where Antoine had his accident every year to lay some flowers and have, have a quiet moment of reflection um, and then this year he also he organised a run of the, the track um, in memory of Antoine Hubert and, and Van Toff um, yeah um, so it's good, it's good to see Gasly because Alpine Gasly especially and the Alpine team in general have been having a bit of a torrid season um, they are 6th I think currently in the Constructors Championship um, even though their car probably isn't the 6th well it is probably the 6th fastest car um, but again as I said not due to any effort of the design team or the the team on the ground um, it's just the management structure at Alpine has been a bit of a shit show um, as I mentioned previously last week uh, former CEO uh, Lauren Rossi was, was turfed out um, and then it was announced a couple of days before um, Spa that um, uh, team principal and uh, sporting director um, well team principal Otmar Safnauer and uh, sporting director Alan Permain will be leaving the team as well um, post uh, Belgian Grand Prix um, so there's been yeah, there's been a severe uh, revolving door of people at uh, Alpine um, you kind of think they need a bit of stability if they want to try and get anywhere but um, at least um, the podium the podium finish um, looks like they're filming something here on uh, Percy Place um, I always I recognise a, a film a film set up when I see one I've been on a few movie sets in my time um, it's kind of off topic there's a Touareg with some sev- severe off-road tyres on it I won't take a picture of it though because there's lots of people standing around it um, what was I saying yeah so uh, what was I saying Formula 1 yeah uh, fair play to, to, to Gasly getting third in the sprint race um, can't, I can't remember exactly all the results then after that um, um, I know Daniel Ricciardo um, was doing relatively well he was in the points for a good bit of it um, but he got outpaced by cars around him and he ended up finishing 10th but he did outperform Yuki um, quite significantly in the sprint race um, however in the main race uh, Yuki Yuki kind of walked all over Daniel, Danny Rick mostly because Danny Rick had made a bit of a boo-boo in qualifying here is a Saab 900 um, there is a note in the window is it for sale um, I don't know he just has a letter for his, par- his parking permit um, anniversary crew car oh it's a crew car um, it's a 900 XS it's not a turbo um, I'll take a picture of it I'll see um, there we go um, yes Daniel Ricardo had uh, a poor qualifying um, well no he, he was doing okay but he he, um, he got done for track limits in qualifying which um, he was he would have been he would have got through the Q2 anyway whatever his time was what his time was he would have got through anyway um, but then that track limits violation pushed him back out and he only qualified 19th and I think he only finished 19th in the main race again as a small mistake in qualifying compromised his race because it wasn't a huge amount of pace in the car for him to get back through the grid um, even though Yugi Snowda um, I think he qualified 11th um, but he finished 10th in the main race um, scoring a point a rare point for, for Alfa Terry. Um, so yeah so it's, it's an interesting dialogue still going on between uh, Danny Rick and Yuki Tsunoda um, Danny Rick had the better weekend in Hungary in his first race back um, but Yuki did did really come back fighting in Spa so it'll be interesting to see how that continues in the second half of the season
Um, uh, Fernando Alonso made a rare mistake. Um, he was uh, one of only two retirements from the sprint race. Um, he spun out trying to overtake one of the Haas cars um, by going off the, the wet line um, and put it into the gravel. Um, rare mistake from him. But he did turn it around then in the main race um, by finishing fifth. Really strong drive from him in the main race. Um, although he's been used to getting podiums this year, there's been a slight drop off with Aston Martin in the last couple of races. Um, here is, is, is it a GTD? It's a Mark 7 Golf. That's TDI. Um, with some Gummins on it, but it's, a T, it's just a TDI Golf with, with pseudo GTI wheels, but he's got the GTI headlights with the red. Um, the red lines going through it. An expensive modification to make for yourself. Um, yeah, whatever you're into. But it is just a regular TDI. You think you take the TDI badges off it. Um, it's got shitty um, plastic German plates on it. Anyway, I was talking about Formula 1. That's a wedding. A bride walking along and having the tails of her dress lifted by her now husband. Oh, and their wedding car is a... Rolls-Royce Phantom. Let's see if we can get a picture of that. Um, I'm a little bit further down the road and there's a horrible diesel truck making lots of noise. The UPS driver beeping at the at the wedding. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, he turned it around though in the main race. He finished fifth, which was um, which is a, a good achievement um, considering um, in the last couple of races Aston have been pretty outpaced. Um, hang on, let's see if I can get a picture of this... Uh, Wedding Phantom before it takes off. Um, suicide doors. God, I love a Phantom. Um, what was I talking about? Formula One. Um, so yeah, what other news is there? Was there from the race? Um, so yeah, in the main race, then the main race was dry, and there was a spit of rain in the middle. Um, so, it's, uh, oh sorry, just go back to the sprint race, Marginy. Um, Perez, um, when when he switched onto the uh, when he switched onto the inters, he was having a lot of trouble getting them up to temperature, and uh, he started getting overtaken left, right, and center. From he was running third, I think, at one point, um, and he started slipping down, um, and then it got to the point where Lewis Hamilton uh, was going much quicker than him, and he went to overtake him um, and had a little bit of understeer. Now, there was a car ahead going into the corner. We had a bit of a, a bit of understeer um, on the wet line, and he understeered into the side of Perez, gouging a big hole in the side of the car, um, enough um, for them to retire the car. And Hamilton got a five-second penalty for it, which was a bit harsh because it was it was very much a racing incident. Um, but um, he, Hamilton didn't really seem to care because you know they were they were battling for fourth position, which I think gets you th- three points. Sorry, excuse me, burping, burping again. Um, maybe five points in the sprint race, and he wasn't too upset about it. Um, but yeah, it, to put Perez out of the race, so Perez and Alonso were the only two retirements from the uh, from the sprint race, despite the fact it was tricky conditions. Um, then the main race, um, so um, although Max Verstappen did get the fastest time of qualifying, he went into the race with a five-place grid penalty for changing a gearbox. So he started sixth, um, and Charles Leclerc was on pole with Perez alongside him. Um, and then there was... Who was third? Um, oh, yeah, Hamilton was third. Then Piastri and Sainz. Um, 
so yeah and then and then um and then uh what's his name max Verstappen. um so Perez had a very good start he he, he cut across to cover off hamilton um, so Leclerc stayed, remained in the lead into, into the, uh, the source hairpin first corner um, Sainz was very ambitious uh, trying to take Hamilton at the start um, he locked up um, and then his lock up caused him to kind of jink to the right um, Piastri had a great start and was, was, was already going for the gap on the right hand side into the source um, but he got squeezed out then by Sainz um, and he, he he hit the side of Science's car, and then it caused also the, it pushed him into the into the wall at the source, which broke his steering, which knocked Oscar out of the race, um, which is unfortunate because he'd been having such a great we, uh, great weekend up until that point. Um, but because it pushed him out of the race, um, oh sorry, it, it retired him, um, and there was a big hole inside of Science's car. Um, they did keep science in the race, even though he was dropping back due to the lack of aerodynamic performance from having a big hole inside of his car. Um, I think they were hoping that if any heavy rain did come um, and, the, and the race got red flagged, um, they would have been able to fix the damage. Um, but that didn't transpire in the end. But um, after the race, um, science was quite vocal about um, saying how it was, it was very much Oscar's fault, that incident, um, saying he shouldn't have gone for a move along there and um, hope you can hear the oh, doesn't overpower the recording the sound of the water coming through one of the locks in the I'm going to call it the Grand Canal um, even though technically it's called the Royal Canal but fuck that um, yeah he was very vocal saying it was Oscar's fault um, Oscar now is kind of like oh, I don't care what someone says um, although it definitely wasn't my fault you know I can learn stuff from it which is very mature of uh, the young rookie driver um, but yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed in science. It's like, I do like Carl Science as, as a bloke, um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was very strange for him to really lay blame on Oscar there because, again, it was, it was kind of a racing incident. But you would have to have definitely leveled more of the responsibility on Science's fault. It was him who locked up, um, and he and he did squeeze Oscar, and um, Oscar had nowhere else to go, and um, there was a wall in the car. Where else was he supposed to go? Um, so that was a bit disappointing. Um, then the rest of the race, uh, do, 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 yeah. So at the end of the, at the end, of the, um, so yeah, P- Prez managed to um, hang on to second. Um, he got by Leclerc pretty quickly. Um, Max got up to fourth, but all that mess between Oscar and Science. Um, so yeah, Prez got by Leclerc pretty quickly. Then Max, uh, oh sorry, no, um, it was Ma- uh, Prez. Yeah, sorry, that, that makes sense. So it was Perez, Leclerc, Hamilton, Max. It took a few laps for Max to get past um, Hamilton. I think he was just being patient, which is an unusual trait for Max. Max usually goes um, at 11 tenths all the time, regardless of whether he's leading a race or not. Um, but it took him a few laps to get by uh, Hamilton. The Mercedes was actually working pretty well at Spa. Um, when he did get past him, it didn't take him long then to get by, by Leclerc, and then he was second. Um, then the pit stops were a bit all over the shop um, everyone did most people did a two stop I think there was one or two people who might have done a three which really wasn't the way to do it um, so they all came in for their first pit stops relatively early um, so Max it was only after then when they went switched onto the mediums um, before Max was able to actually catch Perez um, but he, he caught him by leaps and bounds and he overtook him um, with absolute ease and uh, then just ran away 
Um, he ended up finishing 22 and a half seconds ahead of Perez. Um, now, it was great for Perez to finally get him back on the podium. His first time on the podium since Miami, which is fucking madness. But the result he needed, because um, he's been having a bad, for- a bad time recently and there's been question marks other he should still he should keep his seat, um, especially with Daniel Ricciardo coming back and Yuki having an upturn performance and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, he was trounced by Max in equal machinery. Um, yeah, um, and then Leclerc hung on to third, which is good as well for Ferrari. Um, it's been a while since Ferrari were on the podium. I think that's only their fourth podium of the entire season. Um, Ferrari, are, they should be better than that. They're fourth in the constructor uh, standings currently. Hopefully they can try and turn it around a bit um, in the second half of the season. Um, Hamilton was fourth. Uh, fifth. Who was fifth? Possibly Ocon. Um, I, I, I should have written this stuff down. Um, Lando. Um, yeah, I was saying he was getting outperformed by Oscar. Well, see, Oscar got knocked out of the race. Um, sorry, Alonso was fifth. Alonso had that magnanimous, magnanimous, magnanimous um, drive to, to get fifth, uh, despite a, a somewhat underperforming Aston. Um, who was sixth then? Now, Ocon must have been sixth. Um, but Lando managed to finish seventh, which was interesting enough because at one point he was down as far as, I think, 17th or 18th. Didn't have a great qualifying going into the race. Um, and he was he kept dropping back through the order, order throughout, throughout the race. Um, but he managed to get up, through to, open, up into uh, seventh by the end. Um, I think it was down to some good strategy. Just the, the, the McLaren wasn't... Well, Lando's McLaren anyway certainly wasn't particularly quick all weekend um, they need a, a low down a low, a low downforce setup which is one of the things that the McLaren doesn't have yet um, despite their um, their push forward with their upgrades of recent and um, the one thing they, they are still lacking is a good low downforce uh, setup which is something you kind of need at Spa even though it's a, it's a mix of uh, high speed um, technical corners and some low speed corners um, ultimately you do need a low, a low, a low downforce setup to get the best out of your car in Spa um, and yeah I think, it's, I think I'll leave it at that for F1 chat um, because I said I did do a full episode yesterday and um, well Sunday posted yesterday on Formula 1 um, but that's just a quick rundown of the Belgian Grand Prix um, not a not a not a classic by any means the sprint was actually quite entertaining to be fair and um, the main race um, not terrible by 2023 standards um, but yeah not, not an all time classic or anything like that um, so yeah, they're going on their summer break now um, for a month. So they've been on Formula One for a month, um, and then they return, which is odd because usually Hungary is usually the last race of the first half of the season, and then the first one back is, is usually Spa. We've had Spa now, so the first race back will be um, Zandvoort, um, Max Verstappen's home Grand Prix. Although technically, uh, Spa was his home Grand Prix because he was born in uh, Belgium. Um, and also Lando Norris who is considered a British driver is actually half Belgian because his mother is from Belgium and anyway okay. so Zandvoort in four weeks time so it'll be interesting to see how the second half goes Max Verstappen is obviously going to win the championship it's more if not no sorry it's more when not if um, while you've trying to do the calculations on it um, I think the earliest he can do it mathematically is Singapore he could maybe possibly do it before then if Prez has an absolute shitstorm. Um, but if Prez manages to keep getting second places, it might be Japan or maybe after. Um, but 
Singapore possibly I'm, put, I'm putting my money on he'll win the championship in Singapore um, yeah he's going to win it we'll see um, Mercedes are currently second I mean I see if they can well not, I'm not going to say nice but it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on to that um, Hamilton's kind of taking the lead with Mercedes um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sorry I, I said I wasn't going to ramble on about F1 because there's a whole previous episode if you want to listen to my predictions and my feelings of the first half of Formula 1 and where the second half of the season is going to go listen to the, the episode I put up yesterday um, so yeah Formula 1 let's stop talking because I've rambled on now so I was going to keep this short and we're at 44 minutes um, so yeah so as we get on to my weekend's uh, adventures of a motoring variety so I went to FOTU the festival of the unexceptional Um I'm going to park up somewhere here now because I'm going to flick through some of the photos of some of the stuff I saw. Um, the event itself, um, although it's called the Unexceptional Festival, um, it was pretty exceptional. Um, really good event. Um, Grimsthorpe uh, Castle and Gardens, I think is the name of the location. It's in Bourne in the UK. It's about an hour and a half north of London driving. Um, I got a rental car, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um but um, yeah, really, really, really good. And um, the weather was 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 pretty decent. It was like twenty five degrees when I got out, according to the temperature gauge on my uh, on my rental car when I was getting out of it. Um, and yeah, um, not everything that's on show would be considered unexceptional. Which I think we should cover that off first. Like, I know it's called the Festival of the Unexceptional, but to anyone who attends or has any interest in cars, obviously the stuff isn't unexceptional because why would you be there um, but I think what, what we're going for with the term unexceptional is unexceptional cars to everyone else um, it's, it's kind of like cars that normal people would find unexceptional and can't understand why us car nerds would find them exceptional um, like I sent I sent my the photos I put, up, I put them all up on Flickr they're up there on my Instagram again car underscore no sore and if you go into my highlights there's a highlights reel there which will send you a link to Flickr it's a highlight that's referenced FO223 um, I shouldn't really be using the abbreviation I went on a big rant about using abbreviations in a previous episode um, yeah I sent I sent the Flickr album to my brother and, and his wife and he was like Nissan Micra question mark question mark shocked face emoji um, one they were K11 micros which are great um, but there was two 1.316 valve K11 micros which you just don't see often and it's a peppy little motor in what is a great little car um, so anyway let me bring up the Flickr album so yeah I'll continue about the actual event itself um, yeah, the weather was beautiful it was 25 degrees um, splitting sunshine it was lovely in a lovely venue um, loads of coffee and food on offer um, and yeah there was there was I can't, I can't say exactly how many cars were there um, not all of them unexceptional like for example there was a manual Manuel uh, for a F355 GTS the, the Targo one um, and like stuff in the car park like there was an Alpine A110 like a resto mod air cooled 911 of some description um, an oldest yellow Esprit an S3 I think um, and then some other stuff scattered around which you wouldn't consider um, like, like an, a red um E28 M5 I think I'm getting that right um, there's a nice little coffee stand 
um, inside Wilton Park. Why not coffee? Um, will I get a coffee? No, it's half three. It's way late to be having coffee. I can't have coffee in that late at night. Um, yeah, so let's, hang on. Let's, let's just go through some of the... I won't go through everything I took. Oh, nearly 400 photos, I think. Um, but let's just run through some of the stuff. I'm going to sit down on this bench. Let's set, set of gloves on it. Um, yeah, I'll go through some of the photos here. Let me bring up the album. Um, I won't. I won't go through every single photo because um, I took way too many. We'll be here till fucking next Christmas. Um, Flickr. Where is? Oh, I just opened mobile. D, mobile.de app. Um, I could go browsing, and we could go on a browsing adventure together. But we'll save that for another time. Uh, Flickr. Here we go. Flickr. Um, how do I get to my albums? Profile. Albums. Photo. Here we go. Um. Big, so big sign on the outside uh, hashtag photo um, so there's that A110 um, I was thinking from the car park of that Resto Mod 911 an Esprit thing. so it was an Esprit Esprit 3 so I mean I assume that's a S3 or whatever it's an old wedgy yellow one um, like Rover Streetwise a couple of Nissan Bluebirds said Toledo more Bluebirds several uh, Mark 1 Focuses all lined up together uh, one of which was a, the, uh, a bright yellow Millennium Edition um, there was another Millennium Edition there and they were like oh super rare you'll never see another one and then there was two there um, same thing it was a guy I was talking to a guy who had a, a, a Talbot Samba convertible he's like oh you, you, you just don't see them anymore I'm telling you find another one and five minutes later there was another one um, there was a couple of Irish registered cars there. One was a, a Peugeot 106 diesel, um, and then a, a Fiat Tipo, I think. Um, like, they're, like, a, like a Nissan Bluebird estate. Just never see them. Absolutely perfect. Um, what are interest? The Sierra, some sort of um, Proton. Um, loads of Citroën BXs. Again, look, not, not unexceptional. There's another um, E28 M5. Immaculate on some lovely PBS rims. Um, Alpha 166, pre-facelift 166. Um, in that odd flip paint job that Alpha did. Um, to manual V6, which is lovely. Um, Mint Lupo. Um, K... Would that be a K10 micro? Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, oh, yeah, this is one of the more interesting things. Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi Colt Cordia... 1600 turbo uh, from 1983 um, so it's like it's a, a 1980s um, coupe version of the Mitsubishi Colt um, again something you just never see and also it has an interesting gearbox I'll read the bump here uh, the gearbox is a 4 speed unit but with a further 2 speed final drive operated by a range change lever positioned alongside the normal gear stick and um, I tried to get a picture of the gear lever um, but the reflections due to the beautiful sunlight I couldn't really get a good shot of it um, interesting car then, uh, an Alfa Alfa Romeo 6 um, a car I, I'd actually never seen before um, uh, yeah and a guy brought it over from Italy um, it's got loads of lovely loves of wood like I'm not big into wood in interiors but it's just a kind of like flat matte wood like on the, the gear knob on the ashtray even on the actual cigarette lighter itself um, a big giant saloon car um, and it's, it's a 2 litre V6 because it was one of those um, 2 litre uh, sub 2000cc engines that they made in Italy um, to get around tax um, and he opened up the bonnet it's actually a really large uh, it's a large engine V6 engine even though it's only 2 litres in displacement because I think they use the same block I think going to have to move there's an awful lot of noise there's a, there's a digger shaking its uh, 
shaking its, uh, what you call it, scooper, barrel. I'm sure there's an official word for that there. You stop doing this, maybe I'll continue. Um, uh, citron, citron Zantia. Uh, there's a Saab with a lovely um, little uh, caravan time right there. It's that fr- uh, 355 GTS. Uh, blah, blah, blah. A Fiat Marea estate. Unbelievable. Never see them. Um, blah, blah, blah. I said I wasn't going to talk about everything. I'm just going to flick, flick through. So if there's a, an old DAF of some description. Um, another uh, there's Citroen XM. Another BX. A BX estate. Wonderful. Uh, there's that Talbot Samba convertible. Um, oh, yeah. There was a, there was a, a man there with a, a lovely Jag XJ6. I'm going to say early 90s Jag XJ6. Um, he's wearing a very like fancy suit. Gone, gone full. Um, wearing the attire to go with the car. Um, and he had the, the original Jaguar toolkit opened up on the on the parcel shelf. It was lovely to see. But on top of it, there was a, a cassette, radio cassette, and compact disc playing owner's guide. Jaguar owner's guide. I thought that was quite cool. And all the wrenches and stuff have Jaguar engraved on them. That's quite nice to see. Um, there's an Alpha One Five Five V Six. Honda Accord Aero Deck. That's always a cool thing to see. TR7, and there's one of those uh, 1.3 16 valve micros. Um, possibly, like, being the festival, the only exception, I thought this was quite good. It, it, it's a kind of a a turquoise um, diesel 205 um, that looks ratty as hell, but it's completely road legal um, and mechanically sound. I think that that, that embodies the, um, the spirit of the event. Um, some sort of random was it a Proton a Proton 1.3 GE Saloon base model um, that's had one owner from new um, and just 18,000 miles on it the only option being um, Sapphire Green Paint which was a £195 option um, the on the road price 994 was £7,600 and that includes the optional paint um, and it has uh, it's a base model so it has no radio no clock no rev counter no aerial and blanking plates everywhere that's the kind of oh, yeah, this, is, this is probably one of the coolest things there um, a Tatra 603 big giant Cold War era saloon car from Czechoslovakia with an air cooled V8 in the back very cool like really ratty on the outside but again fully functional taxed and tested unreal um, I'm going to start skimming through this a bit quicker because um, I'll be here all day um, there's a, some sort of uh, I think a Rolls Royce something or other um, a late 80s early 90s Rolls Royce I'm not good with names of Rolls Royces um, has a 24 hour Le Mans stickers and pride flags flying off it which is nice um, there's a Moscovich uh, 214S Aleko which is based on the Chrysler Alpine um, again something you never see um, loads more tat- oh there was a couple of uh, Mark II uh, Renault Clio Initiales um, which if you're not familiar with them is a really high spec um, uh, Clio um, that, that, that really no one bought because they were ridiculously expensive um, Alpha GTV6 and uh, a Polo a red Polo Fox um, Mark II Polo um, I had one of them in silver um, so it was nice to see one of them red uh, with a matching red interior um, what's that there oh yeah some sort of I don't know, some sort of Toyota, um, Toyota state car there's a, an aero shape um, Toyota Sierra Um that's got a bent uh, wing mirror and a big dent in the side of it again oh yeah a DeLorean um, which again you know not unexceptional by any means um, but great to see um, but the thing about it as well is it's a, it's a right hand drive DeLorean which is pretty rare and um, it even had DMC um, fuel nozzle caps 
Just Cops. Um, Twingo, like first gen Twingo, always great to see. Uh, there is a, a V70R all-wheel drive. Beautiful. Um, not unexceptional, again, by any means. And then in the actual grounds of the house itself, those those are all out of the lawns. In the grounds of the, the castle was where the stuff that was um, was in the running for, for prizes. Um, um, like a Renault, a beautiful Renault, or a Renault 16 from 1976. Um, a Yugo of some description, Yugo Sano, I think it is what they're called. Again, Mint. Um, again, some sort of old DAF. A lovely K11 Micra. Um, another Honda, a two-door Honda Accord from 1981, sorry, with a Honda-matic gearbox. Um, a wonderful 205. Uh, an Astra Estate, Mark II Astra Estate. Um, a lovely Renault 4. Um, an Austin Princess, another K11 Micra. Uh, a Subaru, an, a Dutch, um, a Dutch registered Subaru Justy, uh, which is cool to see. Beautiful little thing. Um, what else was there? Um, oh yeah, a Rover. What are these again? Rover, a Rover two one three, uh, in beige, which is incredible, um, with just eleven thousand miles on it. Ridiculous. And um, there's a Mitsubishi uh, Galant, um, nineteen ninety, lovely. Um, and then yeah, I think this was uh, I think this one car of the show, um, a nineteen ninety one Daihatsu Applause. Like when when do you ever see Daihatsu Applause? This is incredible. What a thing. Um, going to speed through. There's the I think a previous winner, um, an actual Chrysler Alpine, which is um, the car that that uh, Moscovich is based on. Um, he has his award in the back window, a 2018 winner. Um, the trophy is uh, a cup of tea, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a Peugeot 504 Estate. Oh yeah, there's a Citroen Xantia, which was something I brought up in last my last episode, um, which brought me on to saying I was going to the festival of the Unix Festival. You don't you don't see Xantias anymore. Um, and here's a Zantia, a uh, silver Zantia, three-door. Um, it's a VTS. Sorry, VTR. No, no, it's a VTS. Um, that'll be a lovely thing. Um, there's that red E28 M5, um, which apparently featured on uh, Top Gear back in the day. Um, there's a Skoda Felicia Frog, which is the pickup. Um, some sort of weird kind of three-wheeled sliding door thing, which I don't know what the name of it is. Um, oh, yeah, a Daihatsu Sirion Rally 4 which is cool it's a four wheel drive to Hatsu Sirion with a um, 110 horsepower engine and that'll be a fun little thing um, I'm just going to stop rambling through it now go up and have a look at the because uh, I've just got hundreds of pictures here um, go onto my Instagram and go into my highlights you'll see it there um, the full album of cars and you can have a browse through it yourself if you haven't already um, yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend the, uh, the festival you know, unexceptional I'm coming up towards an hour now that's why I'm going to have to start wrapping this up Um I've dropped, I've dropped my notepad. I brought my little jotter again with me, my jotter and my uh, my my uh, duck egg blue, um, big pen that I bought last week. Um, so yeah, the festival. I highly recommend go doing it. Um, I didn't calculate the entire costs because I don't I don't want to know. Um, but I also don't care. I, it was well worth it. You know, I paid for flights, I paid for a rental car, I paid for a hotel, I paid for fuel, I paid for food and drink while I was there. Um, too much money, really. But, you know, what's money for only spending, especially on your hobbies? Um, I would highly recommend going to it, though. It was an incredible event. There was loads of stuff there. Loads of similar-minded people. Um, my only recommendations is um, it, it started at 9.30. Um, I got there for 10. It took me an hour to get from the gate into the actual festival, just through the queue of cars of getting in. Um, 
and people did start le- it goes on until half five but people did start leaving at about half two and if you wanted to see everything you'd, you'd need a few hours um, now I just about managed to get everything in um, but yeah so try and get there as early as you can um, and yeah you can bring food and drink which if you want but there is plenty on offer um, but yeah get there early because it, it can't take a while to get into the event um, and bear in mind it is it is kind of in the middle of nowhere so if you're going you will need to get some sort of transport so either get the ferry over bring your own car if you have something what's considered quote unquote unexceptional bring it show it if not get yourself a rental car and drive up yourself um, right time to start wrapping these up um, oh so I'll briefly talk about it. I got a my rental car was a a current generation um, Vauxhall Corsa um, as I've said previously I went, when I went to um, Italy geez, was it two years ago now God, geez, it must be nearly two years I went to, went to Maranello um, to go well modern technically modern Maranello to go to Ferrari I didn't get a chance to go to Lamborghini I went to the Pagani Museum I won't get into that that's a previous trip I went on I got a previous generation Corsa which was absolutely terrible this one not so terrible um, nice little, little thing peppy engine um, I don't know what kind of engine it was some sort of little turbocharged thing um, it was fairly high spec I had everything on it CarPlay multifunction everything touchscreen blah 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 buttons where you need it for all the climate control stuff was on buttons um, the radio controls and steering wheel buttons all physical buttons um, the display although like the frame of it is probably about 9 inches um, the screen itself didn't u- utilise the full space which is a bit annoying um, and the actual digital display um, for the dials is very uninspiring and a bit shit um, but the car itself isn't so bad has auto headlights auto everything very well spec not a bad looking car would I own one? no um, the ride is a bit iffy um, but all in I'd give it 6.5 out of 10 um, yeah so that's what covered. so I'll wrap up with my usual stuff um, classified find of the week um, a previous generation Suzuki Jimny um, obviously everyone's all fanes over the current one the retro you know looks like a mini G-Wagon Jimny which you know yeah it's a cool little thing but um, you can't buy a passenger one anymore you can get the I think it's the LC, light com- LCV one the light commercial vehicle it has no back seats in it Um but you pay over the odds if you want to get one second hand and there's a waiting list even for those commercial ones um, the previous generation one is essentially mechanically this exact same car um, and if you want a little off-road vehicle um, this one there's one up there it's taxed well it's not taxed but it has an NCT up until December um, it doesn't look like it's falling apart it's not pristine by any measure but um, it's up for 1,750 euro um, so you know that's pretty I think that's pretty good money um, considering the market generally and how much people are fawning over the new Jimny why not get yourself a previous generation one for less than two grand um, the YouTube channel of the week I'm going to recommend um, Justin Hawkins rides again Justin Hawkins the, the lead singer of The Darkness um, he has a YouTube channel where he does music reviews and comments on the music industry um, you might not agree with everything he says I certainly don't um, but that's the whole point of the channel it's to create discussion and just discuss music at large um, check that out and uh, the song I'm going to recommend um, Countdown to Shutdown by The Hives remember The Hives um, indie rock band from the early millennium Scandi indie rock band from the millennium he used to wear like you know uh, shirts and contrasting ties matching uh, outfits um, they're back um, with a new album um, they were supposed to be sporting the Arctic Monkeys in Marley Park but then that gig got cancelled 
I do believe they're doing their own gig near the end of the year in the Olympia which is something I might consider going to myself but yeah they have a new album out and one of the songs that's on it is called Countdown to Shut Down it's a really good tune if you like indie rock music if you remember the hives um, check that out right I'll start wrapping up now because I'm nearly back on my bicycle and I've been talking for over an hour um, of utter shite as usual um, so if you have been listening uh, thank you again I do love you and um, be safe be well I'll talk to you again soon bye